bit of background on Habakkuk. Um, as you guys know, just to let you know in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there's major prophets and minor prophets. You guys have heard me talk about this before, but I'll remind you tonight. The only difference between a major prophet and a minor prophet book is really just the size of the book. That's it. Major prophets are like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Those are major prophets. The rest of the minor prophets are just smaller books. That's the only difference between the two. One's not less important than the other one, but that's really the difference, okay? Habakkuk is right after Nahum in the Bible. So if you want later on, you want to have a contest, see how how fast can you find the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk's really unusual because he's a prophet, And normally prophets would do this. Normally prophets would receive a message from God and then they would tell the people that message. That's what a prophet was all about. Okay, They carried a message from God and they would tell the people. Kind of prophecy in a sense is what a preacher does when he's teaching out of the scripture. Okay, He's saying this is what God says, I'm going to share that with you. Habakkuk is a little bit unusual because Habakkuk never really talks to Judah. Judah is this, to give you guys a little bit of background again. Israel is a northern kingdom. The kingdom split. Israel's north. Judah is south on the southern end, okay? So you see Ezekiel, Jeremiah, not Isaiah, but Ezekiel, Jeremiah, um, Habakkuk, they're contemporaries, which literally means they were all prophets at the same time, kind of in the same realm. You're looking at about anywhere from 640 to 609 B.C. before Christ that this all took place. But I want you guys to catch this, and it struck me earlier I learned this back when I went to school to be a pastor. In 587, I think is the date, is when the Babylonians took over Jerusalem. They sacked Jerusalem and took over this region that we're talking about. The only reason why I share that with you guys is the message we heard from Habakkuk to God tonight we'll talk about is roughly around 609 B.C. The Babylonians didn't show up until 587 B.C. Sometimes God moves slower than what we'd like him to. Just hang on to that as I talk about this tonight, okay? What Habakkuk is doing here, and this is why I went with this, I've been beating my head against the wall trying to figure out how I can bring the Bible into these few questions that have been asked of us tonight. And I think Habakkuk gives us a good way to understand the answers to these questions. And you'll see the questions on your sheet in just a second. But Habakkuk is literally doing this in this book. He's not talking to anybody else other than God. If you get the sense, what he's doing is he's asking God's, God questions, and God is answering him back through this whole book, these three chapters. So he's not talking to Judah, the nation of Judah. He's talking to God. Now, he writes this book so the nation of Judah can consume the book, understand the book, but he is doing this. Because the first question we're going to talk about tonight, if you'd bring that up, Dylan, is this. The very first question is, how do we ask God questions without questioning him? And you guys have heard me talk about this, but one of the questions that the students sent in was this question. How do I ask God questions without questioning him? You guys have heard me teach this before. I believe this. To ask God a question draws me near to him. To question God makes me drift from him. It's that simple for me, but I want to give you guys some stuff that we see in Habakkuk tonight. That Habakkuk had some pretty important questions for God. But he went to God with his questions. And these questions he's asking are hard. And I want you guys to kind of get the theme of what I'm talking about tonight. Um, When I made that comment about being in here on a Wednesday night because the world is hard right now, this world is turned totally upside down, you guys, in ways that I've never personally seen before. Right is wrong and wrong is right. There's no truth except for your truth. God's truth is getting kicked out the window. This is such a, everything is in so much turmoil right now that we look at this and we're like, what in the world, Lord? What are you doing, right? 
This is Habakkuk. Because Habakkuk is watching Jeremiah, <clears throat> Ezekiel, Zephaniah, some of these other prophets are telling Judah, knock it off, otherwise you're going to get destroyed by God. If you don't stop this nonsense, the way you're living, and listen, you guys, these are, these are God's people that are doing this. The prophets are not talking to lost people. They're talking to a table full of God's people, and they said, if you keep living like this, God's going to punish you, and it's not going to be good. But the Israelites, Judah, wouldn't listen. They just kept doing what they were doing. The nation of Judah just kept on. So the first question you see Habakkuk ask God is found in Habakkuk 1, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. He says this, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see the evil deeds? Must I watch all of this misery? I don't know you guys, but that sounds like today. Especially from an adult perspective. From an adult perspective, we're like, Lord, what is going on and where are you at? We just went through the election and a lot of people were depending on a certain person getting into office. That way we felt like we'd be okay. Well, a lot of people think the wrong person's in office or the right person is office. We're depending on the wrong things as a nation. We're not depending on God anymore. We're depending on our political environment to develop what we want to think and what we don't think. So I'm going to read this again. How long, O oh Lord, must, you, must I call for help? But you don't listen. Violence is everywhere. Sound familiar, you guys? Watch the news for five minutes. Violence is everywhere in this nation right now. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see the evil deeds? Must I watch all this misery? This is a hard question. Habakkuk's heart is breaking and he doesn't know what to do. And he's in a very tough spot. But what he does is he goes to God with this question. And you could say he's questioning him a little bit here. You get the sense of God, what is the deal? But to me, he's not questioning God. He's, he has questions. But he's not questioning. But these are very hard questions. But here's what God says. God actually answers him. And I'll, I'll give you this and then move on in the message in just a moment. And Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5, God actually answers Habakkuk. And he says this, the Lord replied, <clears throat> look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I am about to do something in your day, something that you would not even believe if someone had told you about it. I believe that about God. I think we want questions or we want answers from God. I think honestly we wouldn't believe him even if he told us. And he's telling Habakkuk, I'm about to do something that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. And he tells him, and you know what he tells him? I'm going to take the Babylonian nation. And the Babylonians, you think of the most evil movement person. In, Nebuchadnezzar makes Hitler look like a saint. Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, was a horribly bad person. Evil beyond measure, and he took land everywhere. Now watch this. Habakkuk asked God, when are you going to teach my people a lesson and discipline for them for their sin. That's what Habakkuk is asking God here. And God says, I'm already about to do something. Matter of fact, I am doing something right now. And remember, it was about 610, 615 B.C. And years down the road, 587 B.C., this actually took place. So God was actually up to something. He was making this all work out. And all of a sudden, if you look at a map, if you guys can look at a map, and you've got Babylon over here, and you've got Jerusalem over here, it's some 900 to 1,000 miles that the Babylonians have to travel to come attack Jerusalem. 
and take the, the nation of Judah captive. And then the nation of Judah, what happens to them is they go all the way back to Babylon. You ever read the book of Daniel? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? That's what happens when the Babylonians take over. So then Habakkuk asks God the next question. He says, wait a minute, time, <laughs> ever had this conversation with God? Time out, I really don't like that answer. You kind of laid this on my heart, and I'm really not that happy with it. Because Habakkuk says, wait, I asked when you're going to discipline the nation of Judah because of their sin, and you said, I'm already going to do something you wouldn't believe if I told you, and here's what it is. I'm going to take an evil nation of Babylonians, the Chaldeans, and I'm going to sick them on Jerusalem around 587 B.C., and I'm going to have them overthrow them. So Habakkuk's like, wait a minute, we're wicked, but we're not that wicked. But this is what God does to fix this. Now, long story short through all this story, and then I'll get into the rest of the message here in just a minute with the points. Long story short is, God does it. And the listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. The nation of Judah would not behave before God. I hope you guys get this, because there is discipline for the... It's like we talked last week about obey your parents, obeying God. If you don't obey God, you guys, there is going to be discipline come your way, and you're not going to like it. And so God takes the Babylonians and Nebuchadnezzar, and he goes over, and he, and this is horrible what happens to this nation. It's horribly bad. But they take him captive, take him back, and but God also answers Habakkuk, and he says this, I'm going to do this, but the nation of Babylonia, the Babylonians, I'm going to punish them for doing what they're doing. So in the end... God still wins. Good still wins. The nation of Judah has been disciplined, but they get to go home after 70 years. So I want you guys to get this whole pattern of what God is doing. Habakkuk is asking God's, God questions about when are you going to punish our people, my people. And I know there's adults in this country right now that are praying, Lord, when are you going to come fix this nation? It's kind of the same thing, isn't it? That there are people that are actually praying that, Lord, fix this mess Save America. We love our country. We don't want to lose our freedoms and our liberties. Punish those who are in sin, right? And But wait, when God brings an answer, we probably won't like it. And I think there's a purging going on right now in our nation, if you want to know the truth. I think this echoes exactly what's going on here. Whether you like the way the landscape looks or not, I think that is what is going on personally for me. But we don't like God's discipline. But here's the deal. All of these people in Judah were not bad. There were a lot of good, faithful Jews. But they were still caught up captive with everyone else. God always has a remnant of believers whenever he does anything in his word. And then he says at the end, I'm going to do this, but the Babylonians will be punished. They're defeated by the Medo-Persians later on, and King Nebuchadnezzar loses his throne. That story is for a later, another time. But I want to give you guys a couple of things tonight. Hopefully that helps, because what I want you to see is this idea of going to God with questions without questioning him. And I'm going to buzz through this real quick. I think God is not intimidated by our questions, you guys. I don't think there's anything we can go ask God that's going to intimidate him that he's not going to want to answer. Even if he wants to answer, sometimes he doesn't answer. As Christians, we have the freedom to go to God with anything because the veil curtain was torn and through Christ we can go into the throne room of God and we can ask the Father and have a conversation with our Lord anytime we want at the drop of a hat. You abide in me, I abide in you because what Jesus did. But even, even and, and listen, even if we want to ask him questions like when some of my family members have been sick and I've prayed for that sickness not to happen, I'm like, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand it. 
But I know all things work out for good as long as we stick with God long enough. We see the good, and I have in those experiences. So it doesn't matter. We have freedom to go ask him whatever we want to talk to him about. Notice God did not get mad at Habakkuk. When Habakkuk came to him with questions, he did not get mad at him. He did not discipline him. James tells us, if you lack wisdom, come and ask God who will give it abundantly without finding fault. If you don't know what's going on in your life and you're confused and you need some wisdom, go to God. He doesn't mind you talking to him. God gave Habakkuk an answer. Here's our challenge. You ever ask God a question and never got an answer? Or is it just me? <laughs> it's either wait, no, or yes. And most of the time, honestly, it's wait. Trust me. And as I trust him and as I walk through this, he knows what's best for me and he will give me the pattern that I, that I need to have. God, will, God may not always give us clarity on the answers that he gives us, but he will, watch this, he, but he will always tell you what you need to hear when you need to hear it. God, you guys can trust God. And when it comes to questions for him, he will always tell you what you need to hear when you need to hear it. And it might not be at the time you ask we got to walk by faith, you guys. We walk by faith because we know God's listening to us. We know he hears us unless I'm apart from him. He hears me. I think this, a sincere question from a genuine heart is always welcomed from God. I want to pull back in last week's idea on this obeying your children or obeying your parents, okay? Have you ever went to your mom and dad with a bad attitude and got up in their grill yet in your life? Ever done that yet? I wouldn't recommend it. Here's what I think. Here's how you determine whether or not you're questioning God or you have questions for God. And I think it's, a, I think it's, a, it's, it, it's whether or not your attitude is right before God. It's a matter of your heart. If your heart is right and it's sincere and your attitude is right and you go to God, I don't think you're questioning him. If you go to God with a bad attitude and you're a grouch about it, and you go and you say, listen, I know this is going on and I don't like it and I want some answers. I think you're questioning God at that point. Does that make sense to you guys? I think it's a matter of an attitude of your heart is whether you're going to determine whether or not you're questioning or having questions for him. I think that makes a lot of difference. God will win. He won in the end of this story, and he ended, he, we're already walking in victory because he's already defeated death in Hades. He holds the keys to death and hell right now in his hands, Jesus Christ does. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now interceding for us so we can depend on it seems i know you guys and i'll get into this as i get into the next point i know it seems like evil is going to win and it seems like evil is winning today but it's not it's not it's playing out in god's story and his plan but evil is not winning today and as long as we keep our attitudes right and as long as we keep on track with god I believe we won't get confused and we won't get grouchy and have a bad attitude toward God. But when we take our eyes off of him and we start to think that, that evil is winning, then we lose sight of what God's doing and what he'll do in the future. And I think we need to hang on to that, you guys. I really do. Because the next question is this. What do we do with the injustice, I, injustices, I didn't finish that with the world, and evil as believers? What do we do with this? What do we do with injustices when we look around the world and we see the evil in the world? What do we do? Let me, let me see if I can, I want to share this with you guys. It's not in my notes, but I want to see if I can get it across this way. I think it's in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It says this. Don't answer out loud, but think about this. If I was to ask you, are people inherently good, what would you say? 
Are people good? For the most part, are people good? Now think about that question because I want you guys to be able to look at the landscape of the land today, and this may help a little bit. Genesis 6, 5 says, God flooded the earth because the, the thoughts of man were only evil all the time. The thoughts of man were only evil all the time in Genesis 6, 5. So when I look at the landscape, you guys, I don't have to get confused. There's no confusion when I look at the landscape because here's what I know. Two things that I would share with you guys. Number one, Christians act, non-Christians act the fool. Non-Christians will act wicked. Christians don't. You guys, do you realize you have the answer? If a, as a Christian, you have the answer to all the problems in the world. Do you know that? It's Christ. Think about it. Rioting, murder, robbery, whatever it is, Christians don't act that way. Right? So the thoughts of a man's heart are only evil all the time, God says. That's why he flooded the earth. So when you look at the landscape of the land and somebody's not a Christian, don't be surprised at the way they're behaving. Because it says in the Bible, in Mark, in Mark chapter 10, verse 18, only God is good. Because it says right above that, I got the definition of evil is this, that which is morally wrong or sinful, or it could be defined as the absence of God. And if it's the abs or absence of good, because the absence of good is the absence of God. If you're a Christian, you're good because of God dwelling in you. If you're a Christian, you have light because of Christ dwelling in you. If you're a non-Christian, there's no good in you. Doesn't mean you don't do nice things, hear me right, but there's no good in you. There's no God in you. So therefore, if there's no God in you, it's evil. It's not my words, you guys. I want, it's just, sometimes messages like this are so confusing and they're so hard because I, you, look at the, you look at people around the world, there's a lot of people that don't know Christ that do nice things. But they have no light and they're not good according to what the scripture says. Even though they're doing nice things, they're doing them for the wrong reasons, exactly like we talk about all the time. Because again, Mark 10, 18 says, Jesus, Jesus says, only God is good. And in that sense, in that context, Jesus, somebody came up to him and said, good teacher. Jesus says, why are you calling me good? Because only God is good. That means he's God. Basically, that's what Jesus is trying to get across in that scripture. But it is the absence of good. Sometimes all of the evil in the world can be so overwhelming, you guys. It's so crazy out there. But you guys have got to get this. Please hear me tonight. That does not mean that God's losing. We've already won as Christians. Now we're in the battle we got to fight on this side of heaven. That's all it is. But if we keep our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith, we, we're already walking in victory. But it sure doesn't feel like that, does it? Or is it just me? As I went through this, this was really hard for me because I watched the news and it's like, oh my gosh, we're losing our minds as a country, as a world. But I have to look at it as a good versus evil thing. And I know I've, we've got the answer. It's Christ and Christ alone who changes the hearts of a man and a woman. And we don't behave like the rest of the world. God is in control and we can trust him. Watch how I, watch how I worded this. God is in control and we can trust God to make things right according to him, not according to me. That's the hard part. God will make things right according to him. He will set this, he'll balance the scales according to him, not according to me. Because he says in Romans, where is it? Uh, Romans 12, 19. Do not take revenge, my, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. 
You guys understand? It's not my job to have revenge and unforgiveness towards someone. That's God's job. Matter of fact, Habakkuk would have known this because in Deuteronomy 32, 35, it says this. It is mine. This is Old Testament stuff. So this would have been Habakkuk would have known this. It is mine to avenge. I will repay. In due time, their foot will slip and the day of their disaster is near and the doom rushes upon them. That's the evil of the world that we got to trust God that he knows what he's doing. So when we look at what are we supposed to do with this as Christians, with all the injustices and the evil in the world, we look at it from a proper perspective of the landscape, that there is no good apart from God. Evil is absence of good, and God's the only thing that's good. So the answer is God. That's where you got to go out and share the good news with people, you guys. Help people become Christians, understanding these things. Now, we'll end with this, and then you guys will break into your small groups. And the end of this book... Habakkuk praises God as he closes this book with the following statements in the latter part of chapter 3 of Habakkuk. I will wait patiently on the Lord. So, back to the question, what do we do with the injustices and the evil as believers? Habakkuk says to do it this way, I will wait patiently on the Lord. He could wait patiently because he knew that God was at work in the world. I hope you guys get this. When you're walking the hallways of your school or you're on your athletics teams and you're trying your best to be a believer and you're trying your best to walk with God, but you are surrounded. I used to put it this way when I worked at, outside the church. I used to come home from work at the end of the day and I'd tell Rachel, I'd say, I, I need a minute. I, I have been around so much evil and so much nastiness today and so much darkness that I wanted to go take a shower just to wash it off. But in the middle of this, if I trust God, Philippians 4.8, Think on things that are praiseworthy and excellent and holy and right and true. I could sit in the middle of a hallway in school, not lifting up my Bible, not leaving the area that I was in, because sometimes, especially you athletes or you're in your locker rooms, you can't run. You're in that mess, but your brain doesn't have to be. You go north with your conversation in your head, and you think about the things of God. So you write down Philippians 4.8, memorize that scripture, and when you're in a dark spot, and there's no way you can get out of it, you don't have to be a part of it by standing there, be in the world but not of the world, and your brain can go north, and that's how we deal with this. So he said, I will patiently wait on the Lord. The next thing he said is, I will rejoice in the Lord. He couldn't rejoice in a circumstance or a situation, but he could rejoice in God, knowing that God was at work. I am, you guys have heard me use this statement before, I am not a Christian because of my circumstance. I know a lot of young people, well, not even young people, I know a lot of Christians that I refer to them as environmental Christians. Not the environment, but the environment that they're in determines the level of faith that they have. I pray that you're not, a, you're not an environmental Christian, that no matter what circumstance or situation you're in, you will rejoice in the Lord exactly like Habakkuk when he knew what God was going to do. He was going to unleash the Babylonians on his nation. You guys, this isn't some small thing. Habakkuk knew how horribly bad this was going to be. And Habakkuk went with them and lived there. He went through what he knew God was going to do. But he was still able to rejoice, not because he'd been taken captive for 70 years or however long he lived, but because God was with him. He rejoiced in God being with him. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, not in the circumstance, but who's in the circumstance with you as a Christian. And the last thing is this, I will rely on the Lord due to his faith 
in the Lord, he was able to stand and be as sure-footed as a deer, Habakkuk says, and he was able to run swiftly and go higher than he'd ever gone before. If you want to be able to get through this, through this life, through the evil, through the injustices, and you've got questions for God, if you will do exactly like he said there and you will rely on God, he said, God made my feet as stable as a deer, as steady as a deer, on the side of a mountaintop, and I did not fall. Because when you decide that you're going to rely on God and you stand on the rock that is Jesus Christ, it does not move. The only way we get shaken is if I step off of the rock that is the Lord and I quit relying on him and rejoicing in him, then I get lost. Then I'm topsy-turvy. Then evil starts to overwhelm me and I get sunk down into the waves like Peter did when I start looking at all the stuff. So turn to your groups, discuss some of those questions, but I want you guys to realize when we want to know what to do with the second question is I wait patiently on the Lord, I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will rely on the Lord. Talk about this at your tables, and then we'll come back up in a minute. Okay, if I can have everybody's attention back to the front here real quick. Um, there's one question, there's one comment on the point that I had on that last part of that page, and I picked it up in a study that I read, and I wrote it, I, I copied it out of a study that I read because I wanted to get it right. When it comes to Habakkuk, it says, when Habakkuk looked within, he saw himself trembling with fear. Because this, this Babylonian thing, you guys, was very scary for, for Habakkuk. And he knew what was going to be happening. So when he looked within, he trembled with fear. And when he looked around, he saw everything in the world was falling apart. And when we look around on social media, whatever you guys are doing, everything in the world seems to be falling apart. If, you, if you're able to look horizontally at things. But it said, when he looked up by faith, he saw God and all of his fears vanished because we are not given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of hope or power and love and of a sound mind. That's, the, that's what we've been given, not a spirit of fear. And there's something else in Habakkuk 2, chapter 2, verse 4, is a famous verse, very popular verse. The righteous will live by faith. And Habakkuk 2, 4, it says, the righteous will live by faith. Or Dylan, would you bring that uh, slide back up real quick for just a second, that very last one? To walk by faith means this, to focus on the greatness and the glory of God. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us this, to keep our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith. Because then we will remember that we have victory in Christ. Then we will remember what the answer of the world is. So to walk by faith, the righteous walk by faith, is to walk by faith means to focus on on the greatness and the glory of God. John 1.29 says this, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And to focus, I want to use that word behold, because the word behold means this, to gaze upon, to stare at, to stay focused on. I'm going to challenge you guys to think about your day, and I'm going to pray and we'll be done. Think about your days this way. As you go home tonight and you lay your head on the pillow, think about how many times today did I behold the Lamb of God? in my day? How many times did I stare at, focus on, stay steady, my eyes fixed on the author and finisher of our faith? Because if you're walking an unsteady walk in your faith walk, I believe it's because you're just young and you're learning what it looks like to keep your eyes fixed on the author and finisher of our faith. To keep your eyes focused on God is to walk by faith. Does that make sense to you guys? So that word behold has always meant something to me when I looked up the definition, to gaze upon. When you lay your head on the pillow tonight, how much did you gaze upon the Lord today with what you were doing? And whatever it is, tomorrow, by God's grace, gaze more 
behold him more and you'll find your walk will be a lot steadier. And this idea of what do we do with injustice and evils and questions will all be put into focus just exactly like, just exactly like Habakkuk. To wait patiently on the Lord, to rejoice in him in all circumstance, not in the circumstance but in God being with you and to rely on God in all that you do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good, and I'm grateful, Lord, for the time together. I pray, Lord, that this information that was shared tonight, that it would be something that your Holy Spirit would tweak and perfect each word that I've spoken tonight, Lord, and that all the leaders have been speaking around their table. I pray that you would tweak and perfect each one of those words that have been spoken to fit the hearts that we have for each person in this room. What we needed to hear from you tonight, Lord, not my words, but yours. I pray that that would be done, but I pray also, Lord, that we get this idea that we walk in victory as Christians, and when we look at the landscape horizontally, everything seems to be such a mess. Tap us on our chin, Lord. Help us to look up and have an eternal perspective in the midst of all the temporal situation that we've got going on here, because bottom line is we live in a fallen world, but this is not our home. We are, heaven is our home. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you as we walk through this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you're dismissed. Have a great day, everybody.